When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So, man, I, I think I think my, my, my wife broke one of the vows. Oh, which one? Well, I can't exactly pinpoint it, but I know I've been betrayed. I, I know she betrayed me, and I, I, think it's, I think there's a vow in there somewhere that says, you know, you agree to keep all your husband's secrets and tales and exaggerations. I, I think that's in there, ah, right? I think I know where this is going. I think that's like the fourth or fifth one, you know, <laughs> somewhere around there, you know, do you do you agree to yeah. honor and obey and lie for your, your spouse? I think, I think that's, that's in there, a right? footnote. That's a footnote. It is, yeah. it is. It's, it's, yeah. it's on the bottom, but I think it's there. It's, it's in the good. contract. So, you know, you and I went fishing a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And we caught that six and a half pound bass. Yeah, that was a monster. It was, it was. And it was huge. And it was... Almost the biggest bass I've ever caught, but um, but it wasn't quite the best. But anyway, so I sent pictures out, and and one of the pictures I sent out was my son. He's a huge fisherman, and so I sent him the the picture, and, and he was quite impressed because you know he's never caught a fish or a bass. He, we we he's got specks and reds and stuff like that, but but a bass over six pounds. Yeah, and so he was quite impressed. I left it at that. Which a good fisherman does. Of course. Well, the other day, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on the couch watching television. My daughter's in the front playing. Everything's going fine. My wife is talking to my son on the phone. And the next thing I hear is, did Pop tell you how he really caught that fish? <laughs> I immediately jump off the couch. I'm yeah. waving my arms, screaming, no, 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 no. And she told him. She told him that I stuck my net in the water and caught that fish. <laughs> that was not for her to tell. I thought you're supposed to do that with large fish so they don't get away. Well, yeah, but usually they got a hook in their mouth when you do it. Ah, so that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dork fish. I mean, that, that, that's what Bill Ingvall calls them, a dork fish. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. It was a dork fish just swimming in a circle. Didn't, didn't have any clue what was going on. And so we caught a dork fish. We did. But but we legitimately caught the fish. Yeah, we pulled it in the boat. That's right. I mean, we, we did not, it was not dead. That's right. It flopped all over the place. Yeah. We pulled it in. We measured it. We weighed it. It said cheese when you posed for it a picture. It certainly did. Yeah. And therefore, that is considered a fish that I caught. Yeah. I do not need to express the means in which I caught that fish to yeah. say that I, I did not lie. Yeah. I did not lie. I didn't put any caveats when I shared the picture. Exactly. So that's that's breaking a vow. I'm I'm pretty sure of it. Yeah. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Sorry. 
Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, well, you know, I guess we'll get through it. I mean, it was some counseling. I think we'll be That's right, true. But, you know. For better or worse. Yeah. <laughs> in sickness and in health. And tell your husband's lies. See, there, it follows. Right, exactly, right in exactly. There. It goes, it goes, yeah. it goes. So how's your week been, man? Uh, it's been busy. Busy. Busy is good. Yeah? Yeah. Work is busy. Um, everything's good. Yeah? How about yours? <sighs> Not near as busy. COVID has got me working from the house and and I love working from the house, but I used to be able to get out and do things and now, but it's, it's, it's going away. It's, it's leaving. We're, we're moving on and, um, hopefully that we're coming out of this season and, uh, we can get rid of the fear and the craziness and the mass that I yeah. agree with. Back to normal. Exactly. Probably shouldn't go into the whole <laughs> That's our other podcast series. Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, yeah. The, the yeah. politically What's incorrect. What's wrong no. with, with our entire exactly. politics? <laughs> now, we, uh, now, I'm not going to say that we are not going to get into politics on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that oh, that's going to happen. It's free reign. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll exactly. try to not so much. Speaking of which, this is our first podcast, man. That's right. This is uh, inauguration. Yeah, we've been we've been talking about it forever. We've been thinking about it forever, and darned if finally we didn't go off and do it. Absolutely, it's exciting. So, what are we going to talk about? I mean, what? Why? Why Justin and Troy? Why? What? Why? What, what are we here for? It's what I ask myself every day. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> hold on, hold on. There we go. Okay. Yo, what could we possibly have to talk about that's relevant? No, uh, I think there are a lot of things. I think there's things that float around your brain, my brain. We can't be the only two, quote, you know, uh, fish in the sea that, that think these things. That someone pulls out with a net? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we're the dork fishes. <laughs> <laughs> Floating around thinking some of the things that we think about. And as we're on the boat fishing and, and driving and get into these conversations, there's got to be others who wonder the same things, who have the same questions, have the same, you know, thorns in their mind and, and need some answers. And we're not here to say that we have all the answers, but it's a forum for us to discuss some of those things that are on our minds. Yeah, man. So, so we named it and, and you came up with this name, Exploring the Way. Tell me, tell me the thought process you had when you, when you came up with that. Yeah. So Exploring the Way. So obviously we want to talk about <clears throat> the way, you know, Jesus being the way the way of, of life as he wants us to live um, and at times requires us to live, which can be very, very complicated and very, very challenging. And so we're here to kind of explore how to do that. Um, exploring, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's, um, it's, it's when, when we say exploring, it's like not only, not only that, but I know a lot of guys and girls and, and there were other people, um, you know, sometimes these stupid questions come in your brain. You know, like, well, what about the dinosaurs? You know, or is the earth really 6,000, 7,000 years old? Or, or you know, things that, that are not necessarily relevant to our salvation, not necessarily relevant to whether or not we get to see Jesus, you know, when all this is over. But just things that just, that's how my brain works. I can go down rabbit holes for days and, and, and never come out the other side. Yeah. And, and I think that for me, a lot of what I want to do is, is go down some of those rabbit holes, explore some of those things. In the end, I think that, that we need to make sure that, that we stay focused on what is relevant and stay focused on, hey, 
we're down in this hole and this rat. Truth is, though, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. it's, it's not relevant. It's not relevant to salvation. It's, it's something, gee whiz, information, something that sounds cool, something that might be a little nugget that we can use later. But in the end, the importance, I think, that, that is, is all of the importance is, like you said, the way. You know, Jesus said he is the truth, the life, and the way. And I think we want to make sure that that is where, in the end of, of, of everything, we end up with going, hey, this is what's important. Yeah. You know, believing, confessing, and living in the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and looking at how that <clears throat> exists through not just church life and stuff like that, but through fishing, um, through the gun range, you know, through uh, yeah. looking at how it applies across the board, not just in one particular context. I went to church this morning. It's, it's Sunday. So, you know, I was in church this morning and I couldn't help looking around. Sorry, I had a dog emergency. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I was in church this morning and, and I noticed um, one thing that I notice every week. But today, for whatever reason, it just kind of stood out. I started counting bodies. And when I was counting bodies, I was counting male and female. And there seemed to be a whole lot more female than male. And then I look around at all the people serving at the church, the people serving the coffee and the people, you know, putting things here. And it seemed to be dominated again by, by, by women. What, what has happened to men in the church? Where, when did, when did this become, when did Christ become irrelevant to, to the man? I mean, why, why is it that the man is not near as involved or near as, vocal or near as present as it seems that our women are shouldn't that be the other way around in the perfect world yeah yeah i mean there's studies that show you know if there's a couple um and one of them is interested in church it's the majority of the time it's the woman who or the wife who goes um singles ministries and churches are predominantly you know ladies um heavy and so yeah, um, why is that? Let's let's talk about it. It's yeah. interesting. Um, I, I know that we have. Uh, I'm, I'm part of. I'm on the leadership team in our men's group, and it's funny. We meet the same time that the women's meet at on Tuesday nights, and we'll have thirty, forty guys in our little little meeting there, and we're pumped because we get thirty, forty guys. But the girls have to take the sanctuary because there's a hundred and twenty of them. Wow. And and it's. Yeah, we, we've got the same number of people in the church. I mean, and, and half of those women have a husband that, that either, you know, comes with them once a month or what I call Christian Christians when they come on Easter and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or probably 40 of them, at least their husbands are, are in the dock. And, and a lot of the husbands will say, well, well my wife was there, so, you know, I, I showed up too, you know. Um, it just seems like the relevancy has 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 kind of faded almost like, like we've decided that, eh, we'll let her take it. You know, let her run with it. Um, it kind of kind of reminds me of kind of how society has become, but um, but it's just like we've gotten lazy or, or something. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there are. it's hard to paint with such a broad brush, you know, as to why one or the other doesn't show up. I mean, I know that those with kids, they do have to, to jockey the kids, you know, who stays home and who gets to go. It's hard to find you know, sitters and care. things. Okay, well, 
We offer daycare. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, but not every church does. That's, right, that's, right, that's, right, right. that's what I guess, where I was going is, um, you know, those situations are different. However, I do think that there's sort of an epidemic at hand that, that we're uh, interested in talking about, and that is, yeah, why, why are the guys not interested in church? Why don't they go? Why don't they get plugged in? Do they consider church irrelevant? Um, and I think the answer is they have, the majority absolutely do. And I think a lot of that comes from societal kind of programming through sitcoms, TV shows, movies, uh, you know, um, even songs um, on the radio where the man is portrayed as, as a slug. Um, the woman is the one that has to pick up the family by the bootstraps and and drag the husband along because he's a Neanderthal. And, you know, I I always think of the Al Bundys of the world, yeah. you know. And, yeah. and, and while that was a, a funny show, um, it's arguably, you know, very distasteful in a whole lot of ways. But that, I think, is the stereotype that has continued through the ages. When did that start? When did every single commercial on television start portraying the guy as an absolute idiot. You don't know how to do the laundry. Get out of the way. Oh, you don't know how to wash dishes. Get out of the way. Oh, you're an idiot. You know, I'll take... When did that happen? I... Well, I think maybe what happened. I don't know. This is just off the top of my brain, but it... it, it and, God, this is our first podcast. I'm fixing to eliminate half our audience right here. I think maybe <laughs> what had happened... Somewhere in the 60s and 70s, we had this revolution where women started burning bras and, and, and getting angry and getting upset because they weren't being treated fairly. And, and, and I totally am 100% behind that movement and behind that revolution that says, yes, a woman is just as important as a man. Yes, if she's working that, she needs to make the same amount. You know, Yes, absolutely. I agree with all of those things. However, somewhere in there, I think men... Either women sent the wrong message and didn't really mean to, or men somehow subconsciously caught the wrong message in that you are no longer relevant. You are no longer needed. And that we can, we can live life without you. We don't need you. And I don't think that women necessarily meant to send that message, but it just kind of seemed to, that, that seems when things started kind of turning, you know, late 70s, early 80s, uh, like I said, the sitcom started coming out where the man was an idiot. Um, you know, even, even my favorite sitcom of all time, Home Improvement with, with Tim oh, Allen. Yeah. He's one of my favorite, <laughs> favorite guy in the whole world. But even he was, was portrayed as this, this moron yeah. that his wife had to keep kicking back in right, line. Right. And I don't think the women meant to do that, but I think somehow they sent this message out that or or we received it because we're we're very simple creatures anyway that we are no longer relevant and that we're no longer needed and i don't know about you but but i know that there there are times in my life where i get i get that lazy bone in me and where i just want to sit on the couch and and you know sip a dr pepper and watch tv and not do anything and i think somewhere subconsciously in 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 the world's environment, we kind of got that lazy bone in says that, well, she'll go to church. She'll yeah. take care of that. Yeah. She'll, she'll, she'll raise the kids. No, she'll take care of that. And I think it's because we don't feel needed anymore. I don't know. I, I mean, do you feel needed? Um, I, 
I personally do, and I'm not saying we've got everything right at my house, but I think we're trying to do a lot of the right things. And, you know, some of that rightness is, um, you know, the man assuming certain responsibilities, being sort of the, the spiritual priest, uh, spiritual head of the house and things like that. Um, grading on a curve, you know, I might be doing okay, but uh, definitely not perfect in, in those regards. Um, so, but it's intentionality. We're, we're intentionally setting a culture in our home that adopts a lot of the biblical teachings, especially those of Jesus and so forth. Um, but I don't know if the average family can say the same thing, yeah. you know. Um, and I often wonder, you know, why aren't guys more plugged into church? What do guys even think about church? I know that I was not raised in church. I didn't, I didn't intentionally step foot into a church until I was 21 years old. And if it wasn't for me trying to, you know, date a girl, I still may never have stepped foot in a church. Um, church was the opposite of what I was looking for. You know, <clears throat> I had the, the kind of the idea in my mind that guys that went to church were emasculated. You know, they were wimps. They were... They were geeks. Um, they were squares. I mean, there was there was nothing fun in their lives. You know, all it seemed like was, you know, that they had six kids, went Sunday morning all day, Wednesday night they went to Tuesday bingo. You know, Thursday acapella practice, and like that was their life. It's centered around, you know, a building. And why would I want that in my life? Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, I was raised Catholic. Um, you know, and Catholics all about the, you know, the sacramental stuff and, uh, make sure you show up on Sunday. You know, now the good news is we had a, a priest called Monsignor Trulier and he was about 32 minutes on the nose, man, from in to out. Wow. Yeah. You get in there, you're going to see the ball game, you know, <laughs> that. but, but it, it, it was a lot of works driven. It was a lot of, you know, you got to come back and do this and come back and do that and do this and do that. So yeah, the church was, was already stressed to me as that building, as that place, as, you know, doing those things. Um, and it was never stressed to me as the people of that building and the yeah. people of that. Hey man, uh, I don't want to stop anything, but let's take a break real quick. Uh, I got a sponsor I want to talk about, so let's take a break. Hey, Justin, man, you like beef jerky? I love beef jerky. Oh, my gosh. Man, I could eat beef jerky for every single meal in the house. Well, look, there is a new product in town. Have you ever heard of something called Biltong? Never heard of it. Oh, man. Biltong is the South African equivalent to beef jerky. I've got a good friend of mine that's from South Africa. He came down, he noticed that there was no biltong. And he felt, I've got to make biltong here because you've <laughs> got to understand what it is. And so him and a buddy of his got together and they have, have perfected the process of biltong and they have created a company called Texas Biltong. You, you've got some in your hand right there. Why don't you give that a try and yeah. see what you think? Sure. So this flavor is uh, cracked black pepper. Yeah, I definitely taste the pepper, which I which I love. Um, it's very very tender, um, and it's not like those jaw breaking, right, roller right. cracking. Dude, you want to know what the, one of the best things about this? Guess how many ingredients this thing has in it? Twenty four. Five. Five ingredients. All of them I can pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> Coriander. I can pronounce that. That's the biggest word in it. 
So do yourself a favor. Go over to our buddies at uh, www.txbiltong. That's texasbiltong.com. Put in the promo code the way, and they'll give you five percent off your purchase. You can also pick them up uh, here locally at the Cherry Block in Katy, Texas, and there's a couple other places on their website that you can get it if you just can't wait for the uh, mail. Again, that's txbiltong.com. Use the promo code the way. So yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I was actually saved in uh, 2001. What I could say, I mean, I, I was I was born Catholic. You're not born Christian, you're, but you are born Catholic. Uh, <laughs> and so I was born Catholic and raised that way 18, 20 years. And uh, a lot of things happened that maybe we'll tell one day, maybe we won't. But it doesn't matter. But I I really believe that the the moment that I was saved, the moment that I accepted Christ, was was back in uh, 2001. And, and 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 at that moment is when I learned that the building was irrelevant. The building had nothing to do with it. You know, that the church was the people. And unfortunately, those people seemed to be all women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, that there wasn't a whole lot of role models to look up to. So what is it like? I mean, if you go through the Bible and you look through the Bible and, and it seems to be this very patriarchal system. You know, even even God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Although the Holy Spirit is not necessarily gender specific, but but it it, it implies, you know, we, we created Adam first. Uh, you know, all of the prophets. You know, Moses and Noah and yeah. Samuel and Micah and you know all the disciples and Jesus Himself are all male. Yeah. How in the world did we move from this male dominated world in where the man had the responsibility and I don't want to say the the he had the responsibility he had the obligation to be that priest to be that head of the household and to take care of I mean everything is is servant leadership to take care of and to how did we get from that to where we are now what what happened well let me maybe back up a step and say was that male dominated leadership entirely God's plan to begin with? Or did men sort of take control of it? And I only asked that because it it got me thinking um, a while back about, um, and again, this is a weird subject, but Solomon's concubines, mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of side ladies. Yeah, yeah. And he had already had like 300 wives. Well, he was the wisest. Uh, he was pretty unwise if he had that many wives. But but my point is is was he was the wisest man who ever lived prior to Jesus, extremely wealthy, extremely influential, extremely anointed, prophesied as being, you know, one that would build the temple and all that other stuff. Was he living right or did God tolerate some of the stuff because I think that was a grievous sin in his life, David's life. Well, I was going to say, go before him and look at David. I yeah. mean, just just the, uh, the whole story of David is one screw up after another. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he kills his general to sleep with his wife and then you know, it just it just goes on and on and on. And, right. and, and David continually screwed up. Now, the, the, what I noticed between David and Solomon both is they both recognized that they were screw ups. And they both accepted that they were screwed up. They always tried to go back. 
But it, it's almost like the whole you know nation of Israel. It was just screw up after screw up after screw up. Right. And I think God tolerated a lot of that stuff, even though it wasn't his original design. So perhaps we have biblical characters such as Deborah, you know, a mighty strong woman who was a, a judge for Israel and so forth. Maybe God wanted other strong female leaders to rise up, maybe smack some of the guys around. Maybe the guys were just too in control, you know? You know, to, to follow that up, to, to, to kind of put a, a, an exclamation point on that, who found the empty tomb? Exactly. Who was the first to speak to Jesus after he was resurrected? And, and in those days, I mean, if we look back in those days, you know, women were supposed to be seen and not heard. And they were not allowed in temples. They were not allowed. And, and even it was it's mentioned somewhere, I can't remember exactly where, where that the, the word of the woman meant nothing. I mean, yeah, they, their they were untrusted. Testimony was not even yeah, their allowed. Testimony in court. was not even allowed. Yeah, exactly. And yet the Bible records, I mean, this is just, this goes to the authenticity of the Bible, that the Bible records that it was two women that discovered the empty tomb, and it was two women that saw Jesus first. And then they went and told the disciples. And the disciples, most of them, believed them, you know, and came running to the tomb. So, yeah, I mean, God propelled, I mean, it could have easily waited. I mean, he's, he's God, he knew whoever he wants. He could have easily waited and appeared to, you know, Peter or John or Thomas or whoever. And, but he didn't. He, 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 he appeared to Mary first. Yeah. And the cool part about that is that the ladies were going to offer a sense of worship they were going to prepare the body something that the guys weren't going to do right. no, they, they were, were they were hiding, they were hiding. <laughs> yeah they were <laughs> under the exactly. under the bed quivering and everything else Kinda and like it is right now where the women are in church and we're all hiding at oh, home that's a that's a great point um so gosh you know it, it brings me to, to something i was reading the other day i was reading acts the other day and um and there was uh in, in acts 2 it's uh, talking about when the Holy Spirit comes in, and um, the Holy Spirit comes in, and I don't want to misquote this, so hang on. Uh, let me grab my book here. And um, this isn't committed to memory. I'm disappointed, it, Troy. It, it, it kind of is. I'm I'm not the best guy to just throw scripture. Under. You wouldn't have made a good little uh, Hebrew uh, young scholar. No, in the I would have been days. terrible. They, they had to uh, so anyway, in Act 2, where we're at is uh, Jesus has risen. Um, he has ascended into heaven, and we're, we're at the day of Pentecost when, when the Holy Spirit comes. And if you remember, the it, it was like tongues on their, a fire on their head, and it was like a mighty wind that, that blew through. And in Acts 2, the, the people are all gathered there, and they're speaking, uh, some of the disciples are speaking in tongues. And that always, that's another topic that we'll go into later about speaking in tongues. But basically, in this particular instance, what it meant was that they were speaking and everyone, and it even goes on and names all of the different, uh, pe the different tribes that were there and the different people that were there. And um, it's talking about uh, they all heard in their own language. That's what they meant by, um, by tongues. And then... I want to get this right. And then in second uh, Acts 2, 4, this is the part that, that I thought about when, when, when we talked about this topic. It says, and then Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. 
and it goes on to talk about you know hey we're not drunk we're not you know this is what's going on so, but but I, but the but the moment that they got me was where just those words where it said Peter stood up. How many of us today need to stand up? How many of us men need to have that moment where okay enough's enough. It's time to stand up. It's time to do what's right. It's time to say what's right. It's time to stand up. You know, Peter had that moment. This is Peter. This is the guy that one day was given the keys to, he- to, to, to heaven, or the keys to heaven, and the next day was called Satan. Yeah. You know, he, he denied Christ three times. He was hiding. He, he, he was embarrassed. And, and this is the guy, you know, and then, and then Jesus even played with him a little bit on, on the shore and said, you know, do you love me? <laughs> Yeah, well, then feed my sheep. Do you love me? You know, and it, it, obviously on purpose three times for the three denials, right. but uh, I think Jesus had a great sense of humor. But anyway, this is the same guy that now is just sitting there going, wait, 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 wait. I got to stand up. I've got to speak. And, he, and, he, and he's the one that stood up. And I think a lot of us are like Peter. We're all hiding. We're all, we all love Jesus. I think we're all, you know, we have the Holy Spirit. We have it in us. I think maybe we just need to stand up. I agree. I agree. So what would bring us as average guys? I mean, not all of us are Peters. Not all of us have a sermon to preach after a day of Pentecost. So in your opinion, what in in the average guy's life could be that stand-up moment? Man. I'll tell you this. If it's... (laughs) If you're not already there, then I'm not real sure what's going to get us there. Because, I mean, we're already at a point, and even Jesus said this was going to happen, that we were going to be persecuted, that we were going to be ridiculed, and, you know, that, hey, they hated me first. I think we're at that crossroads in history right now where Christianity and, and Christians are being looked down upon as second, third, and fourth class citizens, and that, you know, all of the th- stuff you have is terrible. We're, we're even breaking off into other sects of things called progressive Christianity, um, which is not Christianity in any stretch. But we're, we're even making all these things up. I mean, if now is, is, has it poked you in the side to say, okay, I think now's maybe the time I should stand up for Jesus and stand up for my faith and stand up for my family, then I'm not sure what it's going to take. That's true, and and maybe one reason why we don't have those stand-up moments in our lives very often, if ever, is maybe out of fear, Uh, maybe um, not believing in ourselves. Maybe you know, I'm just a I'm just an average guy. What 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 message would I have to say? I mean, right after the verse you read says that five thousand men accepted the message of Christ and received salvation. Peter was a firecracker. He probably had no idea what he was about to say next. He was hot-headed. Uh, he cut off somebody, you know, a uh, uh, soldier's ear yeah. right when they were trying to take Jesus away. So very, very explosive and, and in the moment and everything else. And I don't think Peter knew what he was doing in that moment other than maybe um, Jesus' words resonating in his mind, which is, tend my sheep. Yeah, I think you just nailed it, though, man. I think you just nailed it. I think you totally just nailed it. It was, I don't think he knew what he was going to say. I don't think he knew what he was going to do. He just knew to stand up. Exactly, exactly. And so I, I think you just absolutely and utterly nailed it in that we don't need to worry about what to say next. 
Bible says that. Yeah, we don't need to worry about what's, you know, oh gosh, I, I like me, I don't know where, I, I know all the words, but I don't know exactly where they are. You know, oh gosh, what if somebody comes to me and wants to, you know, I don't know what to say. Oh, I don't know how to pray for people. I don't know how to do, you know, we've got a thousand excuses. And Jesus says, that's cool, man. It, I, I get it. You're human. I get it. I'm not asking you to do any of those things. I'm asking you, stand up. It kind of reminds me of, 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 of David. You know, we were talking about David. And when David first came on the scene, you know, David never even thought that Goliath was going to beat him. David already knew because of the wilderness, because of the mountain lions and everything else that God had already seen him through. He already knew that he was anointed. He knew that God had his back. He didn't have to do anything. He knew that Goliath was done. So, but he did have to do one thing. The only one thing that God required him to do, and that was to pick up a rock. Yeah. I would even say that that was instinct from the private battles that he had won from the lion and the bear. His stand-up moment was literally, hey, King Saul, do you know that guy's talking trash about us? Yeah. And Saul's like, oh, uh, uh, that guy? Uh, look at him. I'm, I'm not going out there. David's like, I mean, I mean, paraphrasing, but you're the king. Aren't you going to stand up for the Lord our God who's king, you know, who's Lord of Israel? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, David's like, man, screw David that. Cut his head off. Yeah. Every darn one of them started chasing them to the ends of the earth. Yeah. You know, totally emboldened all of them. Yeah, boldness begets boldness. Yeah. And so... We do need, and David was probably only 17 years old at that time anyway. So here's a 17-year-old kid saying, no, my God is not going to be mocked. He's not going to be blasphemed. And I don't care who it is. If it's a nine-foot, you know, demon-possessed giant, I don't know. Um, And and that did beget other boldness to the rest of of the army. But we in our lives, so we have private battles that we can win too. You know, the lion and the bear, as they were trying to steal sheep um, from his dad's flock. Those private battles we have in our lives all the time. When we encounter a movie with nudity, what's our stand-up moment? Um, You know, if we, I I don't know, um, get invited to, you know, a a work event at a strip club, what's our stand-up moment? Those are the private battles that prepare us for the ones when God has some public battle, right, right. he says, you've, you've already done it. Just, you're my guy. Just show up and I'll take care you've of the rest. Won. Exactly. You know, as as, as, as uh, uh, Paul said, you know, Hooper and Nakaya, you, you're more than victorious. You've already won. I mean, all you have to do is show up. Show up. Stand up. Pick the rock up. God's not asking a lot of us. I, I, I don't think he's asking too much of us. He's just asking us, just show up. Just stand up, show up, pick a rock up. I'll do the rest. Yeah. And what's crazy is we show up, he does all the work, and then he calls us victorious warriors. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good deal in my opinion. I'll sign that. I'll sign up all day long for that team. We're going to give you all the credit. I'm going to do all the work. You're going to get all the credit. And and not only that, I'm going to reward you in heaven for it as well. Even though I did it, I'm still going (laughs) to reward you for it. Isn't that great? Uh, Yeah, it's a good deal to me. Man, that's awesome. I think that's a good place to stop here. Hey, listen, guys. Um, we uh, we hope to have one of these podcasts about once a week. 
uh, to be able to drop them for you about once a week. And uh, in the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us, if you've got uh, something you want to ask us, if you've got something, maybe a topic you want us to talk about or something like that, please drop us an email. Uh, our email address is exploringtheway21 at gmail.com. That's exploringtheway, all one word, 21 at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you. And uh, until next time, we'll see you then. Take care, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.